Hey guys, today's episode is a real treat. We're speaking with Father Josh Johnson. He is the Director of Vocations for the Diocese of Baton Rouge, and he is also a nationally recognized speaker, and he is a presenter with Ascension Presents, so many series through Ascension Presents. But I am so excited because he is so down to earth. Our conversation was just so fun and enjoyable. He's so relatable, down to earth, um, really positive and filled with a lot of wisdom and prudence. And through his ministry and the priesthood, he shares so much insight into how to make our marriages better. You know, of course, you know, it's hard to have a show without talking about music with Father Josh. So listen in. You're not going to want to miss this. It's um, full of such great information. I'm so grateful that he was able to come on the show and spend some time with us. Hi, I'm Regina Boyd, licensed marriage and family therapist and licensed mental health counselor, and your host of the Connecting Out Loud podcast. Here we talk about connections with our families as they relate to our mental health and Catholic faith all while connecting you with those you love the most. Thanks for joining me for this episode. Let's dive in. Father Josh, thank you so much for being here on Connecting Out Loud. It's such a gift to be with you. How are you? I am doing well. I'm, I'm slightly recovering from a little bit of a cold, but I'm doing well. <laughs> nice. Um, so I want to start out with a little bit of a funny question. I know in your own podcast, you sing a lot, you always reference songs. So I thought it'd be fun to ask you, since we talk a lot about relationships and connection here, what hmm. is your favorite love song? And you actually gave me a really long list to this. I, I have so many. That's the thing. Uh, you know, I, I heard whenever you're in love, you sing. And so I sing to Jesus all the time because uh, I'm, I'm in love with the Lord. And uh, yeah, I have so many. So what songs have I been singing to Jesus lately? Um, I'm sure you know SWV Week from the oh, 1990s. Yes. That's one of my favorites. I don't know what it is that you've done to me. Mm, <laughs> that song goes so hard. So like, I've been singing that. Uh, the Kanye West uh, Sunday Service Gospel Ooh. album. He has like a Christian version of that song now. And so I've been jamming out to SWV Week. And then also they have on that same album, a remake of Genuine's song, So Anxious, and they call it Soul oh Anchored. Gosh. Do you remember that song back in the yes. day? Yes. <laughs> was it 100% Genuine as a CD from 1996? Uh, <laughs> but I love, and obviously R&B music is my jam. Um, and so it's called, instead of So Anxious, they say, because our <clears throat> soul's anchored. Really? It, it, look, it is. It's so good. So those are my, some of my jams. John Legend, All of Me is like my Jesus song where he sings that song to me because um, he loves all of me and he wants me to love um, him. And uh, Mario is a good song that reminds me of Mario, Let Me Love You. That was out when I was in high school, my senior in high school, first year of college. Uh, it reminds me of just how like Jesus meets the woman at the well. And he's like, you should like, you've given everybody else a try. Give me a try. Give me a shot. And mm. uh, you should let me love you. You've done all these other things in your life, like give me a chance. And I think that's the, the ultimate goal for all of us is I think sometimes we get caught up in this, this lie that a, a finite person, place, thing, or event can fulfill us or satisfy us. And we were all created with this infinite ache in our heart, this infinite desire, this infinite longing, and only an infinite guy can quench that thirst and satiate that ache and fulfill that desire. And so a lot of those songs kind of point me to that of like, Lord, I'm grateful for all the gifts. I'm grateful for my parish. I'm grateful for my, my family, for my ministry. I'm grateful for good and holy friendships. Um, 
and uh, and they are gifts that I can behold and that can draw me to you, but they're not you. And the moment I begin to grasp at them and think that if I just had more of them, uh, then I'll be happy. Like that's where that's where I'm gonna get into trouble. And so a lot of those songs kind of remind me uh, just to, to reorient my attention to God and to let him love me. And, and for me to also tell him I love him, because sometimes I think the way we approach prayer as well is we get so caught up in intercessory prayer for our families or for our friends mm -hmm. or for our spouses. And we get so caught up in discernment prayer for our family or our ministry or our, our, our work or whatever, that we forget to be in relationship, relational prayer with God. And we forget to tell God, hey, God, I love you. And, and we forget to like, remind God how we fell in love with him and how we first heard his voice and what scripture first pierced our heart in our experiences and adoration, our retreats, our missions. And, and we don't listen to God say to us enough, I love you. And whenever we don't mm. perceive that love from the Lord, I think it's a natural thing for us to begin to grasp uh, at, at our ministries or at our jobs or at our friends or our spouses, our kids, our parents or whoever. And, and then they begin, Begin to feel like oh like I they, they begin to resist us because we're possessing them and a gift is never meant to be possessed it's, we should behold it and so then we have drama in those relationships and like why is there drama and we're and it's all, it all goes back to I'm not letting God love me and I'm not loving God first and foremost right now and so those songs I think could be a great gift for all of us to reorient our attention to the face of Jesus to to just be in love with them and stay in love with them. I love it so much, like, and just the ability to be able to hear the voice of God through anything, through music, through art, and um, I'm, I'm going to have to go get that Kanye album now. <laughs> I haven't listened to it, but. Yeah, it's Sunday <laughs> Service. I think it's called, let me see real quick, I'll pull it up for because I just got it. Uh, it is called Jesus is Born Sunday Service Choir, and it is, it is so, so, so beautiful, and um Another really good gospel album is Tasha Cobbs. I don't know if she has oh, yeah. a different last name now, but she has a song. It's not her song. She she sings it uh, for your glory. Uh, and she basically is like, for your glory, I would do anything. Um, uh, and, and, and I reflect on that song because it's a gospel song, but it reminds me of my, my promise of obedience to Jesus through my bishop on the day I was ordained. Hmm. Uh, because like, I just want to be with Jesus. And so I will go wherever he wants me to go and I'll do whatever he wants me to do. Um, there's that quote from Father Pedro Rupe. He's a Jesuit priest. He, he's dead now. But he says, um, he says, fall in love, stay in love, and love will decide everything. Love decides what time you go to bed at night, when you get up in the morning, what breaks your heart, what gives you joy. And I fell in love with God in, uh, on June 26, 2004, and I will go anywhere for him. And so as a priest, um, the bishop often asked me to do new assignments and go places. And, and it's, it's always difficult to like, because we get, we fall in love with the people in the land that we're in. And, but I know like that God is sufficient and Jesus is enough. And I just want to be with him. And, and he knows more than I know. He knows the whole book of my life. I just want a chapter. I mean, and so he knows that if he's drawing me somewhere else, it's because he wants to abide in a deeper intimacy with him and that it will only be possible if I go where he's called me to go to be with him. So yeah, um, that, that's another song that I think is just very powerful and um, reminds me of like, yeah, Jesus, you, you are still number one for me. You're still my number one. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. So when thinking about marriage, we know it's reveals something about the Trinity, like nothing else in life. So as a priest, what do you love the most about seeing families that are striving to live as witnesses to the truth of God's love? Like, how does their witness help sanctify the world? How do those relationships sustain you in your priesthood? That's a great question. 
one thing I've been reflecting on lately is just how fickle all of our vocations are. Mm. A few of my, my friends in the priesthood have left the priesthood in recent years. Uh, and and just walking with them and accompanying them in their own journey, it's just become so much real to me because like, no one ever becomes a priest thinking like, I'm going to leave the priesthood one day. No one ever enters religious life thinking like, oh, after I make my vows, I'm going to struggle and it's going to be difficult. And same thing I think happens in marriage is when, you, when you're in love with someone and we discern marriage, I don't think you go into your wedding day thinking that this is going to end one day. And so some of the, the marriages that really inspire me and, and reveal to me just the love of Jesus is especially in those marriages where the couples are struggling, like where they're, the honeymoon phase is gone, but they are, and they're aware, like, like they don't really like each other right now, but <laughs> they go to counseling and they're in therapy and they're in spiritual direction and they're going to the retreats and they're doing the work and they're putting in the time and the effort because they love each other with a Thomistic love. Like they desire heaven for each other. And they know mm -hmm. that their marriage is a sacrament. Like they know objectively speaking, like uh, divorce is not an option. There will be no annulment if we get divorced. And so like, we're in this to win this. And it just reminds me because I mean, like sometimes as priests, we get difficult assignments. So we um, are, I, by the grace of God, I've never had a difficult assignment yet uh, <laughs> in my, in my ministry, but some of my brother priests have, and and I think when we're around those kind of couples who are struggling, but they're persevering by the grace of God and they're fasting and praying and doing the work, mm. it just helps us to remain faithful to our bride, whoever our bride is, wherever our bride is. Because sometimes you're going to have a bride that, that appreciates you and affirms you and encourages you as a priest. And sometimes you're not. Sometimes the people would despise you and not want you. Like they, they rejected Jesus and the apostles were re rejected. And so Jesus never gave up on the church whenever the church didn't show up for him, whenever the apostles and Peter, James, John, Peter uh, denied Jesus three times and James abandoned Jesus and Thomas doubted Jesus. Jesus didn't leave them. He's, he was faithful to his promise. He was faithful to his love for them. And when I'm around couples who are in the midst of the struggle, that is so inspiring to me to, to just never give up on my relationship with God, but also on my relationship with my, with my bride, my parish, the church, or as, now as I'm a vocation director for my diocese with my seminarians and with the, the young men I'm walking with in their discernment to continue to go out and, and pour myself out for them. Um, and uh, so th th those are, that's one example. Then the other example is it, there's one couple in particular who inspires me so much. And it's a couple who um, the, the husband, I've never heard him ever say a negative word about his wife ever. And he reminds me so much of St. Joseph in the Gospel of Matthew, whenever it says that Joseph was unwilling to expose Mary to shame. This, this guy has never exposed his wife. To, he's never made a, a side comment about it. He's never rolled his eyes. And likewise, she's never done that for him. Um, he always, when we're having dinner with, they have three, three sons, when we're having dinner together, he just speaks of the beauty of their mother and his, of his wife and how much he loves her and he affirms her and she encourages and she also affirms him and, and he speaks about how much she still desires her and longs for her and and the respect he has for all the boys stand up whenever she comes to the table and and they i mean they it's a beautiful image that the way that he loves his wife is helping his sons see how they should love their mother and they do and also how they should treat their future wives whether they are um getting married to the church as priests or or whether they uh, enter the sacrament of matrimony or artists pour themselves out as single men um, in service to the church. It's just a very beautiful witness. And I, I think it's, it is something that is a gift that I wish we would see more often um, in couples. Um, yeah. The way Joseph treated Mary. It, it also reminds me of the way Jesus treated the woman called adultery. Like he was unwilling to expose her to shame and she was in sin. We know she was in sin because he says go and sin no more. 
but he still was not willing to expose her to shame. And um, if we could treat our spouse that way, that could build the kingdom of God. Because if you, if you go to work, sometimes in the workplace environment, around the lunch table, sometimes when guys get together, they talk about their families and they just, they, they diss them. And imagine what could happen if, if a man went to work and after all of his brothers like talked mess about their wives and their kids, if he just talked about his wife's beauty uh, and dignity and her and honored her in that way, um, mm-hmm. that could help those guys at work say, why are you doing that? Why are you being, why, why aren't you joining on the fun? And, and he could say, well, because like I'm a disciple of Jesus and it becomes like a, a, a bridge for him to be able to introduce them to the gospel and for, for Jesus to transform their lives. And by transforming their lives, transforming their marriages because as as we encounter the lord um in the world and in the church uh that will have a great impact on our family and on our marriages um so yeah those are just some some thoughts that come to my mind yeah i love that i i i agree yeah i say i say that a lot about you know thinking about our conversations about your spouse to other people like what who are the people that you're engaging with friendship wise as a married couple are you also communicating with people who are not making those jokes about ball and chain or whatever else? Like, are there people who are positive about marriage and supportive of your relationship and encouraging you in that way? So I think that's a great way to think about it of how you could impact your community um, and the people around you, just that witness of yeah. being supportive and loving in that way. What do you think is um, a healthy co-responsibility for the mission of the church where the laity, especially married couples and clergy are both striving to fulfill that, that great commission. That's a great question. Uh, and I think <laughs> it'll look different in every environment, but I think what will look the same is that every member is necessary. And St. Paul says the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. The eye can't say to the ear. I don't need you. I think every single member of the body of Christ is necessary. And I have gifts that you don't have and you have gifts that I don't have. And if I'm not in relationship with you, then uh, the church, church is not going to, to thrive. The church will always survive, but she won't thrive in fulfilling the mission of Jesus to go out and make disciples of all nations, races, tribes, and tongues in the geographical boundaries of our communities. So I think some helpful things are for us to first address as a team, what are the needs in my specific community? Like look around the geographical boundaries of the parish, the neighborhoods, the businesses, the environment, and ask that question, what are the needs of this land that God has entrusted to us? And then to be able to come together and say, well, what are some of the gifts that God has given to us? What are my gifts? What are your gifts? What are my charisms? Those are those supernatural gifts we receive at baptism that St. Paul writes about in Corinthians and throughout the Bible. Um, and what are your charisms? What are your supernatural gifts? Because we don't have all the charisms in and of ourselves, but in the community, we will have all the charisms. What are my natural resources that I, I have uh, at my disposal? And, and what are my talents that I've, that I've earned over time? And how can I, in collaboration with you, share those gifts and talents and resources and charisms to build a civilization of love? There's a, a parish up north that I, I'm inspired by. Um, I heard this story years ago, but basically they're was a priest who got together with a group of disciples in his parish, lay people, single people, married people, and they discern their charisms together. And, um, and then they, once they found out what their gifts were, they then looked at what are the needs and where can our gifts match these needs. And one of the needs in their geographical boundaries of their community was that there was an abortion clinic down the street from the church in a neighborhood. Um, and so they, they, they saw all the damage that this abortion clinic was doing on the lives of so many 
uh, women and fathers and, and obviously the babies who, who died in the abortion. And so what they did was based on temperament, personality and charism, they address this need. So like some people are naturally introverts, some are extroverts. And so uh, if you had a charism of intercessory prayer and you were an introvert, then every Saturday they would get together. And after the hospitality ministers would like have a beautiful like setting for the parish for everyone to like have, have you know breakfast together and be welcomed and be loved on and affirmed and encouraged. Then they'll follow prayer of everybody. Then they'll break on their teams and the um, intercessors uh, who were introverts would go to the adoration chapel for the next four to six hours and intercede for the doctors who were uh, performing the abortions for the women who were having the abortions for the babies who were dying from the abortions for the, for the fathers who may have been supporting the board or whoever, but everyone was being prayed for. If you were an extrovert and had that charism of intercessory prayer, then you were sent to the abortion clinic and you'd pray your rosary outside the abortion clinic. Um, then for people who um, were more geared towards uh, justice, they would spend all morning writing letters to senators and, and trying to get laws changed in their area. And then other people who had the charisma of encouragement would go to the abortion clinic and they would encounter the women and the men and the people and the workers. And they would, they would try to have a conversation with them. And then people who had the charisma of help would offer assistance. And, and basically every person used their gift to address this one need. And they began to see a lot of supernatural fruit from their collaboration of every person, the priest, the lady, all using their gifts together at the service of the needs in their community. And so I think whenever we can operate that way, right, what's the, what's the have, a, have a singular mission, uh, but then come to the table and, and really address like, not like what I want to do, not what could we do, not what we do, but like, um, what should we do based on the actual needs of our community and, and mm. what can we do together? Um, I, I think is the, a really good, healthy approach to build the kingdom of God and, and, and to, uh, to make disciples of all nations. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. And what about, um, engaged couples? I know I'm sure you've done a lot of work oh, yeah. with marriage preparation. Um, if there was like one piece of advice, like one thing you would tell to engage couples, what do you want them to know, to understand? To do? That they are not enough for each other. I always tell them, um, I, that, that they're not enough. Like you, if the guy is inadequate, like he is like, like there's a, the whole thing of like you know the guy's biggest wound is he's inadequate and the girl wants to be desired and that's all true but like it's also true that we are inadequate and I, <laughs> I don't have what it takes to fulfill you and don't expect me to and and to, to to look at each other and say I love you and I want to walk with you to, to God like I want to accompany you to God because only God can give you what you need um, that's why I love the story of Tobiah in the, in the scripture. Whenever he married Sarah, he felt his knees said, sister, let us go pray because like, I can't do it for you. Every guy she had before him, <laughs> I guess they tried to be God and they all died because they were trying to be something they were not. And so I always encourage couples to recognize that truth that they're not enough for each other. But I also encourage them. I have some non-negotiables whenever I walk with couples and I encourage them to apply the five W's to four areas of life. The five W's are when, where, what, who, and why. And so the first uh, application of the five W's is with worship. Uh, when will we go to mass together? Like when a, a family that, that prays together stays together. So when are we going to go to mass? Together? We've got to prioritize God as a couple, uh, where are we going to go to mass? Like you can go to mass at your home parish. You can go to, to a particular parish. You can go to a parish on the street. Like where are you going to mass? Put it on your calendar. Um, what are you going to offer up during mass? Mass is not about us. It's about worship of God. And so what is going to be our intention that we offer up? 
who is going to hold us accountable as a couple to go on a mass together? And why are we going to mass? Well, because we want to stay together. Uh, and uh, one of my friends is, is the uh, canon lawyer and, and all the annulments that he's done, one of the common denominators for him has been the couple did not pray together. And so mass is the best way to pray together, to worship God, but then also have your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ and prayers well so then you apply those five w's to your own relationship with god so when am i going to spend time with jesus on monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday and saturday where am i going to spend time uh, what am i going to do to avoid distractions and what am i going to do with jesus while i'm with him in prayer who's going to hold me accountable uh, to that time with god and why am i praying well because the more time i spend with god in prayer the more i become like god but right? we become like those we hang out with we become like those we spend time with um and so um the more i'm i'm with god the more i can reflect God's love to my spouse. The less time I spend with God, the more irritable I'm going to be, the more I'm going to brood, the more patient I'm going to be, the uh, I'll be more kind probably to, to this to this person I'm walking with. And so uh, we, we see the virtues of God's love manifested whenever we spend time with Jesus. Then I encourage them to go on dates at least twice a month, intentional dates. So plan it out before you plan your, your, your fun time with your friends and other things like planned date nights, which requires intentional uh, community to help us with our kids, right? So like not everybody lives next to family. So you got to like have friends that you can trust so that and that, that love you and that want to fight for your marriage as much as you do. And so um, if you can't afford a babysitter, like who are some friends that can watch your kids so that you can plan date nights? Like when are we going to go out to, to eat? Where are we going to go out to eat? Um, and and, and even sometimes I come up with questions for them to like look at, like when they go on date nights to, to, to dress so they can like actually talk about like romantic things and um, the heart. Um, who's going to hold us accountable and why? Uh, again, because it, become, it can become easy for couples to become like siblings if they don't date or like coworkers um, and they, they forget that why they found love. And so it's good to like be romantic with each other. Um, and so then the final one is communication. Uh, this is one of the biggest issues for all of us. Communication is a struggle for, for me as a pastor and for friends and for spouses and for, for everybody. And so I come up with this method called FFF, uh, Facts, Feelings, Future. And so I encourage them at least once a month, but hopefully twice a month um, to schedule this because, again, not everyone can argue the same. And so like some people want to like, if there's an issue, they want to address it on the spot and they expect you to be able, like, it's like, I'm mad. Let's talk about it now. And other people are like, I need to process and I need time to prepare because they're so, it's so draining to have those kind of conversations. So I encourage them to put it on the calendar, like at least twice a month. And then whenever you have to have them have them as well. And those like, those like not those times where you just have to do it, but like maybe every other Thursday have a night where you're at home with each other, not at a restaurant because you want to go deep. And to address facts, feelings, future. And it's always, it, it, you sandwich it. It's positive, negative, positive. And when I, so it's, it's where we're, where you love me well at, where you can grow, and where you love me well at. Because sometimes spouses don't even know where they're loving each other well at. So they stop doing things that they were doing because they didn't know how much it meant to the other person. Um, especially with phlegmatics. Phlegmatics do this all the time. Like they, in the engagement period, they do things and they get married and they stop. And then the, the sanguine spouse or the melancholic spouse is like, what the heck's going on? Like, why don't you love me anymore? <laughs> um, the college spouse is cursing them out. And so um, I, I think it's important. To, and so some examples I give them are like, the guy could say, uh, the girl says to the guy, you know, like, fact is, uh, you put the toilet seat down. Um, and um, no, I'm sorry. That's yeah. Yeah. And, and it made me feel good because you know what, like, uh, I know that you're a guy and I know that you don't always, you don't sit down when you use the bathroom. Um, I guess some do, but not most don't. Right. Um, 
I do know one of my friends told me the other day, he sits down. I was like, you do what? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> awkward conversation. So, but like fact is you did that made me feel like you respected me because I know you came from a house of all boys and that's not how you're raised. And, and so in, in, in the future, what can we do? Whatever. And so then he, blah, blah, blah. And then you give him like a, a critique as well. And you give him a positive and you do that. I think if you do that with superficial things while you're engaged, then when you get married, um, you can talk about sex and you say like, Hey, like you could give the fact of like, Hey, when we had sex last time, you did this. It made me feel used. Welcome in the future. And then also positive fact is you did this. And I really enjoyed that. And welcome in the future. And so the other person can say like, Oh, but like, if you never have those superficial conversations in the beginning while you're dating and when you're engaged, then it becomes way more difficult to have much more difficult conversations as married couples. And also in your parenting, like fact is you said this to our daughter, our son, and it made me feel this way because I was raised a different way than you. And those are difficult conversations to have. Uh, so if you can plan them out, I think it's like easier and it gives the spouse who needs time to like, um, especially like introverts, like introverts need that space to like, if I know I might have a conversation at seven o'clock PM on Thursday with my spouse, um, I'm going to take Thursday really easy leading up to it. And I need some space after that conversation. So you can like plan your schedule accordingly. Um, so I think those, those are some of my non-negotiables that I try to get them to do while they're engaged during marriage prep. And hopefully they become habits as a, as an engaged couple, as a married couple, if you do it now, you do it then. So those are a few of my things. Yeah. Laying good habits for the future, I think is awesome. And what I love about that is it gives an opportunity. So say you're going through a season where things feel like they're going well, then you can do the compliments and you can say what you're grateful for. But if something comes up and you do have some beef you need to bring up, then you can go into the criticism. So it just always makes you show up and get in the habit of having those conversations regardless. And I think what I like about it is it prevents you from getting lazy and just every time you get together saying, oh, you know, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Right. And brushing it under the rug, it kind of forces you to say one thing or the other, regardless. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And also, I mean, I think counseling is great too. I mean, I, um, I think most people could use uh, a counselor, a therapist, a licensed professional to walk with them. Even if you're doing good in life. Um, I encourage people who have an interior life to get a spiritual director um, to accompany them, but also just, I think counseling is just good. So I, I have a counselor um, and I'm not in a bad place right now in my life, but it, it's just still helpful. And so I think that um, seeing counselors is also helpful and, you know, going on, like taking time to not only vacation, but to go on retreats, enrichment retreats is also helpful um, for all of us. And so, um, yeah, those are just things that can benefit everybody in our walk toward eternity. Awesome. And I, I know a lot of parishes are trying to capitalize off engaged couples a little bit. It's such a, seems like a perfect opportunity to evangelize. Like you have people that are seeking something from the church, mm -hmm. special time in their life doesn't happen very often. So yeah. how, how can we treat those moments as opportunities, but maybe do it in a healthy way to, to lead people closer to Jesus? Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of the people that do come aren't disciples when they come to uh, marriage prep. They're not disciples. Let's just be frank. They fell in love with each other. They were raised Catholic. They probably left the church after high school, after confirmation. They went to college. They fell in love. And now they're coming back because they want to get married in the church. And or it's just kind of like a, a tradition. Like we get just as is funerals, just as is weddings to be a bridge for people to come to encounter Jesus in a unique way. And so one of the things that we do in our parish is while we're meeting with the couples for marriage prep, we also invite them to small group Bible studies. 
Um, and because we think that like, that's going to be what's going to help them to become disciples in the long run. And the marriage prep process is six months. And so there's so much stuff that happens in those six months. It's overwhelming for a lot of the couples. And so I think it's just important to introduce them to some of the resources that the parish has to the women's retreats, the men's retreats, the couples retreats, the date nights, the Bible studies, um, adoration, praise and worship, just different things to plug them in little by little um, over time. So that way, once they're married, they can have those resources um, available to them and have those groups that they already know who want to walk with them and they feel drawn to walk with. I, we do um, couples um, that walk with our marriage prep couples as well. And so that way they have like those connections in the parish we want to be rooted in the community. And so I think it's really important that, that we capitalize on making disciples of all engaged couples, right? Like I, I, Jesus gives us that, that, that mandate, like go out, make disciples of all nations. And, and so when we're doing funeral preps, when we're doing funerals, when we're doing weddings, when we're doing marriage prep, when we're doing baptisms, baptism and prep, that these are primary opportunities where people are coming to us. And so he's going to hold us accountable on our judgment day for how well we accompany those people. Did I just put them through a process and paperwork and just get them to a system or that i actually take time to pray for this person these persons to fast for them um and to invite them to to be accompanied in their relationship with jesus and their walk toward becoming saints uh so i think we have a lot of work to do with regards to discipleship and to being reminded that like these are prime opportunities to form disciples to invite people to a seat at the table who may have never come to the table if it weren't for this sacrament um that they are seeking right now for for themselves or for their, their kids or for their families yeah. And if we go back to married couples for a second, I think you kind of touched on this already, but um, is there anything that you would encourage as a non-negotiable for married couples, or maybe something that you would encourage couples, married couples to quit doing, like something you think they should be doing, something you think they should stop doing? <laughs> mm, mm, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I, I think reverencing each other, right? Um, a non-negotiable is never talk bad about your spouse. Um, and in front of other people, right? If you have problems with your spouse, address them with your spouse, your counselor, your confessor. Um, but never talk bad about your spouse. Um, I just think that that's just, that's so wounding, you know, um, whenever couples disrespect each other, um, especially in the presence of others. Um, that's just, that's, yeah. that's not good at all. Um, and then, I mean, there's other things like porn. We can get into, I don't know how long we have to talk, but like, porn is a non-negotiable like never don't look at porn um you know uh like there's a few things that uh are just so dangerous um and so and, and then it just encouraged them encouraged them to uh to to make time for each other in their calendars to always date each other to to, to pray for each other um to go to mass together i think like those those same things that work for engaged couples i think work for married couples uh and, and to again remember as a married couple like you don't, you cannot fulfill me ultimately, you know, um, you are a bridge for me and you are so good to me and you are God, one of God's greatest gifts to me. You're my sacrament. You're my path to heaven. Um, but you're not Jesus, you're his body, but you're not God. Um, yeah, I think it's really important to be reminded because I, I do see that so often where spouses, they begin to put their, they make the icon of marriage into an idol. Mm. Um, and that's never healthy. It's never healthy. It's a good. It is a good. It's such. It's a great good, but it's not our greatest good. And so, um, yeah. And that's something I do. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Great. 
And for people who are going through a hard time in their marriage right now, do you have a word of encouragement for them? Maybe people who feel distant, misunderstood, unsupported in some way. Yeah, I would encourage you a couple of things. I would encourage you, number one, you're not alone. Uh, like I said in the beginning, all of us are fickle. We're priests go through seasons of serious struggle. Religious sisters do, monks do, married couples do. Um, all of us do, right? We all, we all go through the season. So recognize you're not alone. Um, I would encourage you to pray, first and foremost. I would encourage you to relate that, those struggles to Jesus, to acknowledge them, to not suppress them, to not deny them, but to relate them to God in prayer. Um, and pay attention to what Jesus Christ has to say to you. So this requires that you pray, not just when you're driving in the car, distracted by other vehicles on the road, but that you have a personal, living, vital relationship with God at least 15 minutes a day set apart, whether it's when you're on the toilet, in the bathroom, like you got to, you got to pray. And I get, especially for, for, for parents who have small kids, like there's no space where you're ever alone because kids go everywhere from what I hear. Um, uh, but even the uh, bathroom, <laughs> even the bathroom. So I mean, even if it has to be, if you're dropping your kid off at school or daycare, go sit in the parking lot, turn your AC on and like, and pray there. Like, but you gotta pray. You gotta be Jesus has to give you the grace. So number one is go to Jesus. Number two is to communicate this with your spouse. Sometimes our spouse don't even know that we're aching for more. Like sometimes I've walked with couples mm. where the woman or, or the man wants to go deeper and the other spouse, like, I thought we were good. Like, I thought I was showing you my love by building this house or by, by providing these vacations. Like, that's how I was showing my love. I didn't know that you needed to hear me say, I still love you. I still desire you. You're still the most beautiful person to me. I, I still want you. Um, sometimes they don't know. And so we have to communicate that not only with God, but with them. The, the prodigal son, the older brother in that story, he never communicated to his father that he wanted a party. And so whenever mm. he saw his brother got a party, he was like, well, what about me? And the dad was like, you never told me. Like, I thought you knew everything I had was yours. So mm. communication is really important for us to communicate with them. And then it's also to not be ashamed of inviting a counselor, like a, 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 a therapist, uh, a licensed professional to accompany you with your spouse in this place of mess. Like there are members of the body of Christ who have gifts that we don't have and we all need each other. It's so like the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. We can't say, I don't need counselors. I don't need therapists. I don't need any kind of licensed professional to accompany me. They are also, especially the ones who are Catholic um, and are Christian and are rooted in discipleship. They are necessary members of the body of Christ who have gifts that we need. And when we reject those gifts and those people, then we're just, we're going to struggle. We're going to be on the struggle bus. And so I would encourage you to, to also um, reach out. And then even after you do that, recognize you still might struggle for a long time. Uh, it still might be difficult with counseling, and with prayer and with intentional communication with your spouse, it just might be difficult. Um, and that's why we, we have to trust that God's grace is sufficient for us in the midst of it. Um, God's great. And, and those are areas where God can encounter us in the most profound ways. I've always been so grateful for my, my times of struggle in my priesthood, uh, where things have been dry, uh, where I've been in desolation. Um, because in those seasons, I have just drawn so close to Jesus uh, in mm. prayer. And one time I remember I was at a shrine uh, of Blessed Francis Xavier Silos in New Orleans. And I was before the tabernacle and I was just in a bad place. And I was on my knees. And I was like, God, I'm just so, I mean, my heart is aching so bad right now. And, um, and all of a sudden it hit me. If I wasn't in that place, I would not have gone to that shrine that day. And I would not have spent that many hours with Jesus. I would not have abided with the Lord. And so 
um, all things God can use to draw us to, to a deeper intimacy with him. And, and I recognize in that moment that he was fulfilling me as well. He was quenching my thirst. He was satiating my ache. And so, yeah, even whenever we're in the midst of the struggle, just recognize like sometimes that struggle is going to be there for a long time and it might even be there until the day we die. But, um, but the goal of marriage is to get our spouse to heaven. Uh, St. John of the Cross has that beautiful quote that, that we've not entered into our vocation of religious life for him. He's talking to friars for any other reason than, than to be chiseled. Um, and the people in our community are those who would chisel us sometimes with their, um, the, their personality or their temperament, sometimes with their lack of affection or encouragement or whatever, but like we all need to be purified. And so it's sometimes helpful for us to look at marriage that same way is that I need my spouse. Like my spouse will help me. It's helping me to be purified of my vices, of my envy, of my pride, of my vanity, of my lust, of my gluttony, of my sloth, of my greed, of all my disorders. Um, and sometimes it's because of the way they affirm me and encourage me. And sometimes it's because of the way that they're chiseling me right now. Um, and so uh, God can use all things for his good. And so the goal is to become saints. And uh, yeah, in, 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 a, in a dream world, it would always be the honeymoon phase, but in reality, it's not. And so I think we should always do the work to abide in love together, but we need to recognize that um, the feelings are going to be up and down, up and down, like a roller coaster sometimes. But you're counting, I mean, you, you, you're a marriage counselor, so you tell me, does this make sense? Am I, am I off? This is what I think. I'm not infallible. So you can be like, Father Josh, I disagree 100% with you right now. <laughs> no, I, I'm, if you're not infallible, I'm definitely not infallible. Um, no, but I'm, I think you're right. I think there's um, seasons and there's ups and downs and that, and it's normal to have those ups and downs moments. But what I like about what you said is there's a sense of hope, even in those down times that there's going to be light at the end of that tunnel. There's going to be something on the other side where it's ultimately for our good. And so just continuing to keep your head down and persevere, regardless of how bad it seems, which is really hard to hear in the moment, but it is. But I like the idea. I like the idea of hope that you give for those times. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus is sufficient. Every day when I celebrate mass, I always tell them that I say, Jesus, you are sufficient. You are enough. Uh, remain in me as I abide in you. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us um, and for your time. What any are there any projects do you have coming up that you want us to be aware of? Sure. Yeah. So uh, my podcast, Ask Father Josh. Um, I can't give out the details yet, but we have some new exciting things that are going to be happening in the fall with the with the podcast that uh, we're going to be announcing really soon. So I'm super okay. excited about that. Um, but also, we have a married couples retreat that myself and Dr. Mara Sakasa are doing. Um, and I just, I'll address it really quick. Cause I know there's been some questions about it. So it's, it's, there's married couples retreat for black Catholics. And so I know some people, they saw that and they're like, well, what does that mean? White people can't come. So the, the purpose of this retreat was that we recognized in doing married couples retreats, um, that quite often, a lot of times black Catholics don't come, whether it's because their pastors did not invite them to the table, um, are the people in the community who are in charge of those ministries aren't in intentional relationships with them. And, and sometimes when they do come, they're like the only one sitting in the room and they have experiences that they've gone through in their marriage with their spouse who might be black, who might be white, who might be Latino, who might be Asian, who might be indigenous. So interracial couples that other couples um, might not um, understand, you know? And so um, I, I was walking with a couple one time who experienced their interracial couple um, and they experienced just a lot of um, prejudice, um, discrimination from the, the family of the, of the spouse. 
And when they try to share that with their with their friends um, who are all white, their friends question them and like that. But did that really happen, though? Like, I mean, is it that it's not that serious? You should just get over it. And it put them in a place where they just didn't want to share anymore. They're like, I don't feel comfortable to share how like that discrimination from my spouse his parents how it affected our relationship and our marriage and so here they have all their struggles and they went to a, a place in space they thought was sacred where they could share and they realized that they couldn't and so it's, it's a retreat that we're trying to do to gear towards couples who may have had experiences from their workplace environment from their neighborhoods from from the secular world that has had a negative impact on their marriage that sometimes they don't feel safe to share in environments where they're the only one, they're the only black couple, and they don't want to be looked at like, oh, here the, here the black people are again, whatever. And so it's, 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 it's making a space where they know that other people may have had similar experiences as black couples, interracial couples. Um, so that way we can help them to give them tools to strengthen not only their relationship with each other, but with, with, with most importantly with Christ and the, and the scriptures and the sacraments as well. And, um, and so and that was our intention. It's like focus has focus varsity. They have specific outreaches to athletes and they have um, specific outreaches to frats and sororities and they have specific outreaches to different groups. Um, this was a specific outreach that myself and Dr. Mara Sacasa are doing um, because we recognize there's a need and it's not being addressed well. Um, and this is a way that we can uh, we can address it well by providing a safe space and place for for black couples, for interracial couples to come together um, to to accompany each other and and um and their relationship with the lord for their sacraments so they can persevere and become saints um persevere by the grace of god because the enemy hates marriage i mean fatima says like this can be the attack marriage is under attack in these times and so this is one of the ways that dr Mars cast and i are trying to address this and he's going to do one for latino couples in the future as well because they have their own unique um experiences that are different for them where um so again uh I would love to promote it. And so it's going to be at St. Joseph's Abbey at the Christian Life Retreat Center in September, uh, September the 20, I think 25th, 25th. Uh, yeah, you should come. I want to yeah. see you there. 25th and 26th. And you come on 24th. If you want the night before, make it a three-day event. It's the beautiful grounds of the Abbey. It's a monastery. It's so beautiful. Uh, and it's going to be fun. And we're going to have time for, for prayer and for rest and for recreation and for formation talks and for fellowship and food and gospel music and it's just gonna be great and so if uh, any of your listeners want to spread that message uh, to help more of our couples come so that that way their marriages can be enriched and they can strengthen their relationship with each other in christ that would be great it sounds amazing um, and really awesome and my husband does not need much of an excuse to get back to new orleans so um who knows you might you might see us there <laughs> that would be so much fun be so much fun. we could do karaoke together Oh, so what you asked me my song what, what what's what's your songs oh that's so hard to decide oh my gosh I have let's no go idea. back to the 90s go back to the 90s <laughs> 1990s There's, where you at I definitely had I mean I'm an R&B girl as well so I had a lot Monica of, oh yeah Monica Brandy yeah Tony, okay Tony Braxton I, I've had her album <laughs> had like everybody on repeat basically Destiny's Child everybody uh, so you name it, it probably was my song. <laughs> okay, so this is a little bit more specific now. Destiny's Child, best best song for you. What you think? Ooh, um, 
Well, for, you know, for like the little middle schooler anthem, you know, oh gosh, oh no. Was it say my name? Was it I was going to say say my name. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, that's what I tell Jesus in prayer. I'm like, Jesus, say my name, say my name. (laughs) Jesus, say my name, please, Lord. Tell me, you know, my name again. Tell me you love me. Yeah, that was that was the middle school anthem right there. That's what he did with Mary Magdalene. Remember, they were at the um, at the resurrection at the tomb and he said her name. And when he said her name, everything changed. See, everything, you we, we could bring God into everything. And everything, yep. God can help us to abide in deeper intimacy. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. How can people find you? Get in touch you with you. Find me in prayer. So go to the Eucharistic Irishian Chapel in your <laughs> parish and pray for me and intercede for me and fast for me. That's where you can first and foremost find me at is, is hopefully abiding with Jesus. We're all connected in the body of Christ in the Eucharist. When we're in a state of grace. Uh, and then also just on social media um, at FR Josh Johnson, since we follow Josh Johnson, that's on Instagram and Twitter. And that's pretty much the main ones I use. I'm on Facebook too, but I don't really use Facebook that much. Um, so mainly, and then uh, uh, ask Father Josh podcast. If you have any questions, uh, you can, we can stay in touch with each other through that podcast and through my work with Ascension Press. And, um, and if you're interested in discerning the vocations to the priesthood, if you are a, a man and you want to be a priest, uh, then hit me up. Um, www.diobr.org slash vocations is the website and Jay Johnson at diobr.org is my vocations email address and so that way I can walk with you in your discernment to help you to find out if that is how God is inviting you to be a saint and if it's not then I'll still walk with you to find out what is the path for you awesome well thank you so much Father Josh thank you for being here and for yeah just for everything thank you so much thank you so much God bless. If you have enjoyed this episode, you can find more Connecting Out Loud content on our Facebook and Instagram pages. As always, I appreciate each and every review. So if you can take some time to rate and review this show, I read each one and I love hearing from you. Be intentional and connect out loud.